0: Community Church. I'm Reverend Jeff O'Grady, the pastor of the church, and it's my pleasure to welcome you here on Kickoff
1: Sunday. We're so glad that you've joined us at the beginning of a new program year. With the new school year, we always kick off uh, in a new way, and this year we're, we're kicking off a brand new sermon series on the book of James entitled
0: Just Keep Faith. We're going to get really practical about how to live out our faith over the next several weeks so that we hope you'll join us uh, throughout the next several months of worship here at San Marino Community Church.
2: There's a moment when you have to choose whether to be silent or to stand up.
1: Tonight, Malala remains in intensive care. She was shot in the head for daring to suggest girls should go to school.
2: Me and my wife, we cried all the night. The doctors told me she will survive, but she may not be the same as she was. They shot me on the left side of my head. They thought that the bullet would silence us. I am the same Malala. I'm still 17. I'm still a teenager. She's a little bit naughty, a little bit that much. Who would you have been if you were just an ordinary
1: girl from the Swat Valley?
2: I'm still an ordinary girl, but if I had an ordinary father and an ordinary mother, then I would have two children now. This is my youngest brother. He's a really good boy. This is the laziest one. My father said, have you forgiven them?
0: You've never felt angry?
2: No. I want people to learn from the experience I had. Very nice to see you. Nice to see you. A woman is more powerful than me. In this new school, it's hard. Physics, 61%. Do
0: you think you could ever ask a boy out on a
2: date? (laughs) Roger Federer. You like him? (laughs) I like his haircut. (laughs) When I think of home, I miss the dirty streets. I miss the river. I miss my friends. I just want to see that house, just once.
1: You named her after a girl who spoke out and was killed. It's almost as if you said she'll be different.
2: You're right. I am those 66 million girls who are deprived of education. I'm not a lone voice. I am many. And our voices are our most powerful weapons. One child, one teacher, one book, and one pen. They can change the world. My father only gave me the name Malali. He didn't make me Malani. I chose this life, and now I must continue it.
1: Listen to the word of Scripture as it's written in the book of James, 1st chapter, verses 17 through 27. Listen to these words that have caused many people of faith to participate in that movement that is changing the world. To actually be a part of the people who are expressing and living out the faith and changing the lives for so many people who are oppressed or in need or hurting or r- r- just screaming for help. Listen to the word of God. This is written and again in the book of James, first chapter, verses 17 through 27. Every generous act of giving with every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation and no shadow due to change. In fulfillment of his own purpose, he gave us birth by the word of truth. So that we would become a kind of first fruits of his creatures. You must understand this, my beloved. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. For your anger does not produce God's righteousness Therefore, rid yourselves of all sordidness and rank growth of wickedness and welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. For if any are hearers of the word and not doers, they are like those who look at themselves in a mirror. For they look at themselves, and on going away, immediately forget what they were like. But those who look into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and persevere, being not hearers who forget, but doers who act, they will be blessed in their doing. If any think they are religious and do not bridle their tongues, but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless." Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for the orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In this series, we're going to be looking at five important chunks of text from the book of James and each of these is giving us a practical way to live out the, the faith that we have, or I should say the faith that we think we have, or at least the faith that we claim that we have. And scripture teaches us that there is a difference between the way that we perceive ourselves, the way that we look, our, look at ourselves and see ourselves. There's a difference between that and the way that we actually are. And this is what the the epistle or the letter of James begins to address. When you look in the mirror, what is it that you see? Do you see yourself as you really are? Or do you see see yourself as you wish you were? Or as you imagine that others might see you? James begins his book by highlighting four really important characteristics of God and who God is. And it's so important whenever you're encountering any text to have a good understanding of who God is. So let's look at these four characteristics that James puts before us. The first is James wants us to know that God gives. Say that with me. God gives. Listen to this scripture. This is what James says. He says, God gives to all generously and ungrudgingly. Wow, that's the God that we worship. Not a God who gives, you know, um, a little bit or just just holds back some giving. It's a God who gives generously and ungrudgingly. No grudges with God at all. Even though you might've turned your back on God many times, even though you might've betrayed God or hurt God, God does not hold grudges at all, period. This is the second thing about God. That James wants us to know God is always good. Say that with me. God is always good. Listen to this beautiful words from the scripture we read today. There is no variation or shadow due to change. How many people do you know that, that they're good sometimes, but I mean, come on, we can't all be good all the time. In fact, James wants us to know that there's not any variation or shadow due to change, that God is always good and is always perfect. And there's two more points that he wants us to know about who God is. God does not tempt us. This is powerful. This is deep theology. Say that with me. God does not tempt us. God cannot be tempted by evil. This is what James says. And he himself tempts no one. Interesting. So where does temptation come from? James would say, temptation comes from our own desire born within us, conceived and grown into sin. And when that sin grows up, it gives birth to death. Was that too fast? God cannot be tempted by evil and he tempts no one. God is not tempting you. And then the last one is God chooses us. Let's say that together. God chooses us. In fulfillment of his own purposes. Why does God choose us? For his own purposes. God gave us birth. That's really important. I want you to look at that word birth today. God gave us birth by the word of truth, which has the power to rescue us. Wait, some of you may say, I don't need rescuing. I'm doing just fine. Well, maybe this is a really good beginning uh, conversation for you because I really need rescuing. And. This scripture is claiming we all need to be rescued. Why? Because our tendency is to submit to our own desires, which our own desires are conceived, and they give birth to sin and sin gives birth to death. I'll get back to that one again later. So at the very beginning of our scripture today, we are introduced to one other thing that I think is really powerful, and it's the first line of scripture in your bulletins today, and I I encourage you to revisit it throughout the week. It says this, and here you can see it on the screen, every generous act of giving— with every perfect gift, is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. I thought I'd just like bring this up. I saw this at the back. This is a rose. We put these in here when someone has a baby. Nico, the guy who does all the sound and tech for the traditional worship, we love him. If you don't know him, you're going to want to go visit and just say congratulations. So why don't we have a hundred people go up to Nico today and just, 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 just just harass him about how cute his baby is and her picture is in your bulletin. So you can just stare at that for the rest of this message. If you feel like you need to be reminded of God's goodness, every perfect gift, every generous act of giving with every perfect gift comes down from father above is coming from above, coming down from the father of lights. Now, the way that James talks about God here is so important. The father of lights. How many people have ever referred to God as the father of lights? Anyone? Anyone turn to like, so who do you worship? Oh, the father of lights. Would that be kind of surprising to you? (laughs) So you go to church. uh, Do you guys worship Jesus Christ? Yes, but we call him the the father of lights. So this is a, this is a pointing back to the very beginning of creation when god created the universe and created all the stars in the sky that god created the universe i can't even wrap my mind around our solar system are there 12 planets i don't even know it's just confusing to me i know there's not 12 planets but but i don't really know how many there are how many are there can someone make us smarter does anyone know anymore because pluto goes on the map and off the map day by day Students come back to me. You got nine months and I want to know how many planets there are. Wow. So I'm not the only one. That's really encouraging. (laughs) That's that's how we open up around here. We start sharing our vulnerabilities and our areas of growth. (laughs) So one one thing San Marino Community Church will do this year is learn how many planets there are in the solar system. Someone's Googling it. But that God who created the universe, which even the scientists have no idea the end or beginning of, they just don't even understand how far it goes. They guess all the time, but they don't even wrap their mind around it. Now, what does it tell you that if every time you receive a generous act of giving, every time you receive a perfect gift, it's coming from God who created the stars, who created the universe, Can you think about a really amazing gift that you've experienced in your life? Just think about the best gift that you've ever had. A real generous gift. One that was not holding back, but it was just lavished upon you. I can think about my own kids. Those are the most obvious ones that are gifts from God. But I think about little gifts that come to me in my life. And also gifts that come to me from people like Malala. People like Malala, who is so generous with her life, and, and her life is really about focusing on the improvement and helping of other people in their lives. Think about those. So, if this is, this, is, this is what we should reflect on the concept that God, who is giving us every perfect gift, and who created the stars in the sky and the entire universe. James is suggesting that God's creation is not finished in us yet. So that the God who created the universe, that that creation is not finished. That God is actually actively creating right now in you as you receive the word of truth. As you receive God's truth, God is creating and creating new birth in your life. James goes even further to say this. That God's renewing work as a new creation. He's saying that God's truth is being born in us. He's being born in us so that we are a kind of first fruits of his creation. Now, when you think about first fruits, I want you to think about going into Ralph's or Vons or Trader Joe's or whatever. And all of the fruit in the, in the whole entire store is like green bananas, and everything is, everything, it's kind of true, isn't it? <laughs> Nothing's really ripe there. But there's one, in the midst of all of the green bananas, there's one banana that is ripe. It's really important for us as we think about our faith and what we've been given by God to remind ourselves that we are first fruits. That way we tend to be a little less, well, I would say this is the positive it gives us humility and gives us meekness when we approach the truth when we realize that we're only the first we're the first ripening ripening people the people coming into newness of life being born again that there's there's more to come and that we get to celebrate that and this is what James is saying James is claiming that when the truth of who God is and what God is doing is implanted in us, it is the beginning of a creative explosion in our lives that grows outward from the very center of our beings and it transforms the world around us. That's the kind of power that we're talking about. We're talking about Malala sized power. I even see some of our young guys in here Do you imagine how young, how amazing she is? She received the Nobel prize. Does anyone know what age she received the Nobel prize at in 15 or something like that? So if you're, if you're under the age of 15, we're talking about you. We're talking about that. You have the power to change the world. That that truth implanted in you becomes, again, a creative explosion that that sows a seed that becomes a creative explosion that emanates outward from your soul and changes the world around you. Changes the reality for so many people in need. Now, I love this. I love this. This is the suggestion that the life that you've lived up until this point. The life you've lived looking into the mirror. That you look in the mirror and how many times have you reflected on your life and reflected and tried to say, hey, you can do better. You can get better. I know you can do this. And you stare into the mirror and you coach yourself and you try to change yourself and you try to transform yourself. All of those reflective moments up until this point, those are all precursors to this moment. Every single time you've looked in the mirror or tried to grow, that's a precursor to this moment when the word of truth is being born in you. You are right now being reborn. But how does this transformation take place? And we'll just rush over it because James does too. He adds two little pieces that you would have noticed in the scripture today. First, he says, rid yourself of all sordidness and rank growth of of wickedness. Are you feeling a little wicked or like anger or any kind of grudging or any kind of uh, darkness in your heart? James says that the process for transformation first needs to involve uh, getting rid of that grudging or that weight or that darkness in your life. You have to get rid of it. You have to. Because remember, there's not just one seed. There's a seed of truth. And there's also a seed of our own desires, which lead to anger, which grow into sin. And sin gives birth to death. But James says, first, you got to get rid of that stuff. And, and turn away from it and say, that's not the direction I'm going to go in life. And second, and this is the second part of the transformation, welcome with meekness. I love this. The implanted word that has the power to save your souls. It's a process. First, you turn away from the darkness. And second, you turn to the light, but you do it with such humility because you realize this is the God who created the stars in the sky. So many stars, we can't even count them. We have no idea how many there are. And this image of planting is really important as we think about our souls and our hearts as as what is planted in that space and we seek to create a space that can be as fruitful as possible. Now to take a step further, James goes on in his passage to juxtapose the image of a person who is looking at themselves in the mirror with the person who is looking at scripture, which he refers to the perfect law of liberty. And I imagine this person who's sitting there saying, you can do it. You've got all it takes. I know you can do better. I, and you're doing great. That's sometimes what we say too. You're doing a really good job. And I remember talking, I was talking to a psychologist friend earlier this week. And he said that he thought this, this, this passage, because I asked him what, what was going on with this passage? And he said, he thought it was like the example of someone following you around with a camera all week long, right? And they show you the camera of all of your activities and they say, do you recognize this person? And you're saying, gosh, that's not who I thought I was at all. They take a, take a camera into the meeting with you or take a camera into the, into the store with you and see how you treat people. I take, a, take a camera... Uh, along with you while you pass the homeless person or whatever else it is that's convicting you in your life and then realize, wow, that's not who I thought it was. And that's not who I claim to be. One month ago, I went to Malawi, Africa on a mission trip. And you're like, no kidding, because you've been telling us about it nonstop ever since. But when I was there, there was one activity that we did which is called buckets of love and if you ever go on on a mission trip to malawi i pray that you do this and you you enjoy it as much as i did and the trip director janet wells said this is we do this every time you'll love it you here's your you got to go into the store and she drove me to the store and she handed me the cash that was part of the congregation literally pitching in to help give these buckets of love. And so I had the cash in my hand. I had a list of things to buy. So I bought a big bucket, with some, bought some maize, some kind of corn flour, some oil, some different things for her household, soap so she could wash things. And it was just full, filled to the brim. Then we put it on the bus and they drove us literally to the village. And then the person who ran the nonprofit there, the, the, called the Ministry of Hope, walked us to the door of the widow this grandmother widow, by the way, who was grant, who is a mother to her daughter, who was a widow. And they're just surrounded by all of these kids. They don't know how they're going to provide for. And they also know that the hunger season is coming up this year. The worst famine they've experienced worse than the 2002 famine where thousands of people, I don't know how many people died, but it was catastrophic. And when people get to the brink of hunger, Other things happen in their life where they're stunted growth. They're unhealthy for the rest of their life because of that level of hunger. Wow. And I walked up and and I I met her and it was very, I have to say, it was very awkward. And and I didn't know what I was going to say. So I sat down with the bucket of love and we talked for a little bit. And then I just felt like this is what God was telling me to say is that this gift is from God. I want you to know that God is giving you this gift right now. God told me that you, that I should give this gift to you. I, I learned it through scripture and I learned it from my congregation and all these people. It's coming from all of these people who've been inspired by the word of God. And I just said, this gift is coming from God. And as I'm reading this scripture today, it's all hitting home. It's it's more powerful than every time I've looked in the mirror or every time that I've gone to worship service and I've been reflective. We say that we go to worship and we reflect on who we are. This is way more powerful than all of those moments because in a way, James is right. Every time I do those reflective moments, I walk away and I just forget. But I will never forget that moment when I sat there with that widow who had no way to feed her kids and there was this big old bucket of love. And I'm reading the scripture today and saying every generous act of giving with every perfect gift comes down from above is from above coming down from the father of lights, the creator of the universe. See, that's what James is talking about today. And then he goes on to say this, if any think that they are religious and do not bridle their tongues, but deceive their hearts, their religion is worthless. He says, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. Can you see that all James is really saying is that faith is not lived out by the tongue, but it's lived out by the hands. I could tell you that I love the people of Malawi all I want. And I could talk about the stories and the experiences that I had. But if I realized that three months from now, they're about to experience the biggest famine that they've, some of them have ever experienced in a lifetime and an untold, I think that's a safe way of saying untold number of people will die of starvation. That's what a, I mean, we met a Scottish economist there. And he said, this is, this is what happens every time the world just says it's okay. We're fine with this because this is just the standard that we're all right with for these people. And he says, that's not where it should be. It should be right up here. And he said, he said, and Janet's got this great email going out. 150 bucks will pay for 10 people's money, food for a month. 10 people will receive food for a month for 150 bucks. We are not, it's unbelievable. But if I say these things and I never experience stepping out like Malala has done. And I always let those voices of, and remember James says, you know, it's not God who tempts us. It's not God who gets in the way of you doing these things. That's not God that steps in the path. You know who it is? Do you remember what James says? Who is it? It's you. And it's your own desire. And you turning into your own desire. And it is you then having that desire conceived like a baby coming into your life. And that baby growing up, the sin baby (laughs) That would have been a good name for the sermon, Jason. Remember that sin baby, the the sin baby growing up. And then when that's when that sin grows up, it, it says that sin gives birth to death. You see. The way that we get to this conclusion of caring for the orphans and the widows to the true gospel that will never be forgotten in your life. The way that we do that is we rid ourselves of all sordidness and all rank growth of wickedness. Just, I mean, just, just do that with your hands in some way. Just, just let go of that. Do that with me right now. Just take, think of the things, hold them right here. The things that you've held on to, the things that have been in the way and just let go of it. Rid yourself of that and then take your hands and turn them upward and welcome with meekness. I almost imagine myself just getting down on my knees, welcoming with meekness, the implanted word of truth, which has the power to save our souls. I'm excited about this series, and this is only the just, be, just the beginning. Take a look at this.
0: Rise and shine. It's 6 a.m. and your hand can't make it to the alarm clock before the voices in your head start telling you that it's too early, too dark, and too cold to get out of bed. Aching muscles lie still in rebellion, pretending not to hear your brain commanding them to move. A legion of voices are shouting their unanimous permission for you to hit the snooze button and go back to dreamland. But you didn't ask their opinion. The voice you've chosen to listen to is one of defiance. A voice that says there was a reason you set that alarm in the first place. So sit up, put your feet on the floor, and don't look back, because we've got work to do. Welcome to the grind for what is each day but a series of conflicts between the right way and the easy way. 10,000 streams fan out like a river delta before you, each one promising the path of least resistance. Thing is, you're headed upstream. And when you make that choice, when you decide to turn your back on what's comfortable and safe and what some would call common sense, well, that's day one. From there, it only gets tougher. So just make sure this is something you want, because the easy way out will always be there, ready to wash you away. All you have to do is pick up your feet. But you aren't going to, are you? With each step comes the decision to take another. You're on your way now, but this is no time to dwell on how far you've come. You're in a fight against an opponent you can't see, but oh, you can feel them on your heels, can't you? Feel them breathing down your neck. You know what that is? That's you. Your fears, your doubts, and insecurities all lined up like a firing squad, ready to shoot you out of the sky. But don't lose heart they're not easily defeated they are far from invincible remember this is the grind the battle royale between you and your mind your body and the devil on your shoulder is telling you that this is just a game this is just a waste of time your opponents are stronger than you drown out the voice of uncertainty with the sound of your own heartbeat burn away your self-doubt with a fire lit beneath you remember what we're fighting for and never forget that momentum is a cruel mistress she can turn on a dime with the smallest mistake she is ever searching for the weak place in your armor, that one tiny thing you forgot to prepare for. So as long as the devil is hiding the details, the question remains, is that all you got? Are you sure? And when the answer is yes, when you've done all you can to prepare yourself for battle, then it's time to go forth and boldly face your enemy, the enemy within. Only now you must take that fight into the open, into hostile territory. You're a lion in a field of lions, all hunting the same elusive prey with a desperate starvation that says victory is the only thing that can keep you alive. So believe that voice that says you can run a little faster, and you can throw a little harder, and that for you, the laws of physics are merely a suggestion. Luck is the last dying wish of those who want to believe that winning can happen by accident. Sweat, on the other hand, is for those who know it's a choice. So decide now, because destiny waits for no man. And when your time comes and a thousand different voices are trying to tell you you're not ready for it listen instead to that lone voice of dissent the one that says you are ready you are prepared it's all up to you now so rise and shine